The San Francisco 49ers in Colorado Springs getting ready for a Monday night football matchup in Mexico City. The big topic of conversation today is 49ers wide receivers. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk specifically, are they getting open? Are they making catches? And what about that yak? What the metrics say about the 49ers receivers so far in 2022? Coming up on today's episode of Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24 7 monitoring agents capture evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more. It's a really interesting article out there from ESPN and 538 looking at the analytics, looking at the metrics for 49ers wide receivers and all the wide receivers in the NFL. If they're getting open, the open rate, the catch rate, and We'll talk about Yak as well with uh, and maybe some surprising results where the 49ers receivers are ranking this year. And maybe not, depending on how you've been looking in the film, what you've been thinking about uh, with these 49ers receivers. We'll see if the eye test matches what the metrics are saying. Uh, but first, Colorado Springs, the 49ers in Colorado Springs this week, getting ready for the altitude of Mexico City. And I don't really think of Mexico and Mexico City as having high altitude. But this always comes up when there's a game in Mexico City that's at a high altitude place. And so the 49ers are at facilities in Colorado Springs getting ready for this game. But, Croc, it's like 20 degrees in Colorado <laughs> Springs and like maybe a little snowy at practice. It seems like just a weird – it seems really out of the way to go to get ready for altitude when you're not really actually getting ready for the same environment you'll be playing in in Mexico City. Do you think it's a little bit odd that the Niners go all the way to Colorado City this week to get ready for that Mexico City game? It's not odd in the logic, but it is – uh, with how they chose to do it, right? You talked about going to Colorado, it's snowy, and you're watching the videos that Mayoko and those guys are posting. You see snow flurries, and you see Debo Samuel creeping out, looking out the locker room like, do I want to come out right now? You know, it's it's freezing over there. And it's like, that's not what you're playing that in, in uh, uh, Mexico. It's going to be much more ideal weather conditions. Now, the altitude, the same, but do teams say, oh, man, we play against the Denver Broncos. Let's travel over here to prepare to go play in the altitude a mile high. Like, I've never seen that happen. And I'm not saying it doesn't, but I know most teams just don't do it. So yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's to go into less than ideal situations in Colorado to get ready for the Mexico game, I think it's a little extreme. The 49ers don't go practice in Colorado Springs the week before they play in Denver. You know, right. don't do that, really. So it's a good point. I never really thought about it that way. And I guess if you want to get your lungs ready, uh, that's one way to do it, and you maybe more smog in Mexico City, so you don't want to have your team exposed to that all week long. Uh, you know, maybe they couldn't get the right facilities that they need this week near Mexico City that that had the right, um, you know, the the right facilities for an entire football team. Uh, it's it it is sort of weird though. It is sort of strange. Um, Sixty five degrees or so kickoff though not snowy not 20 degrees like colorado springs is what the partly cloudy and 65 degrees or so at kickoff in mexico city for monday night football so we'll see if it ends up working for the 49ers the other thing you don't want is like to eat the wrong food 
throw on ceviche or something for some of these oh, guys, yeah. right? Like get a little. Uh, I was on KBR with FP Santangeli called it uh, Montezuma's Revenge, right? You, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want your players dealing with that on on Monday either, too. So or or throughout the week for practice. So maybe there's there's some of that angle, but yeah, I don't know. Where are the Cardinals practicing? As far as I know, at home. So why? It seems a little extreme. Now, as long as they win, that's all that matters. But, you know, the approach is, it's a little, it's just, it's just a little interesting, yeah. I'd say. Seven, uh, no, 82% is what the report is. 82% croc of 49ers fans. Yeah. And this is a big stadium. There might be a hundred plus thousand people there. Wow. So we're talking 80,000 49ers fans. <laughs> How many people fit in Levi's Stadium? Not 80, probably like right. if I had to guess off the top of my head, 75. This literally might be the most 49ers fans that the 49ers play in front of all year long in an away game. So if it's really 80 plus percent 49ers fans and there's over a hundred thousand people there. Uh, wow, that's that's kind of a big advantage for the 49ers. I was kind of talking, you know, we were joking with Alex Clancy on our uh, on our crossover episode yesterday to talk about how it's going to be another home game for the 49ers. But this is even more extreme than some of those L.A. games, if that's the case. So the the Levi Stadium seats 68,500 people. Now, I I believe that they can bring in bleachers for the open ends. And I think they did that. For the playoff game, I went to the the, uh, the Packers game. I think they brought in some bleachers for the open ends, and that adds some people. But I mean, it doesn't add just thousands of of, of more people. Yeah, it so. doesn't add twenty thousand more people. Right. Nah. Yeah. So that's pretty wild. Okay. So it, it might be rocking with 49ers fans in Mexico City. I know a lot of folks that are traveling there for that game too. So um, should be a whole bunch of fun whole bunch of fun monday night football 49ers and arizona cardinals we'll get a lot more into that matchup specifically since it's a monday night game we've got an extra podcast here so we can do some more keys to victory on monday we'll have a little bit more clear injury reports as well for that monday morning episode for you audio listeners and i guess we'll go live croc at some point sunday evening here yeah, uh, let's do it chat with the fans a little bit for that pre-game episode and then of course we will be live after monday night football as well breaking down everything that happens in the game Let's talk wide receivers, Croc, wide receiver metrics, because uh, very interesting stuff. And for those of you watching on YouTube, we'll, we'll be able to put this up on the screen, but we'll try to explain it as best as possible for those of you who don't have the visual aid of the graph, uh, courtesy of ESPN Analytics and courtesy of 538. There's an article that has tons of information here about wide receivers and using their own uh, metrics, their own system of, of charting whether wide receivers are getting open if they're making catches and what they're doing after the catch. I want to start first with the graph that shows Croc just, it, it does not show yak. And I got it on the screen now. Uh, it does not show yak. It just shows open score and catch score. So open score is uh, a grade within when the quarterback, so this is their methodology. When the quarterback within 0.2 seconds before and after the quarterback throws the ball is the wide receiver getting open. And this is on every route, even if you're targeted or not. So they can't go by if you got open. It's imperfect. I will say that right away. The, their methodology here is imperfect, I think. But 
when you look at the results and you look at who's on this graph in certain places, it matches the eye test. It matches what we know about these NFL wide receivers. And yeah. as, as it pertains to uh, on the, on the high end, Brandon Ayuk, we'll talk about Debo Samuel in a minute. Brandon Ayuk, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see Brandon Ayuk way over here on the right in the, in the upper right quadrant, which is where you want to be. That means you had a good catch score and a good open score. And among the it's top, very balanced, right? And ab- among the top, actually, even in getting open in the yeah. NFL. And when you look at the composite scores that take into account both open score, catch score, and yak, Brandon Ayuk is actually in the top ten of NFL wide receivers right now. I think there's only five, if if I'm looking at this correctly, maybe yeah, five guys that are that have a higher open score than not not even five guys. Excuse me, four guys. Tyler Lockett, Tyreek Hill, Deontay Johnson, and A.J. Brown. And I, I believe, and, and we'll get to it in a second, but uh, Devontae Adams is also ahead of him on the open score. Ah, no, he's ahead. Of, look at the B starts. The, the B is <laughs> midway through Devontae. They, they, show it, they show it later. They show more in the article. So for those of you oh, who okay. want to see all this article, you can see I, I retweeted it on my Twitter account, at BD Peacock, and you can find it and see more. But Brandon Ayuk is in the upper right quadrant exactly where you be. We'll get into more details about where he is and why he is there. But on the other hand, Debo Samuel is where you don't want to be on this. And again, this one, this this graph doesn't show the yards after catch, which is his superpower. Catch score and open score. Debo Samuel's in the bottom left quadrant and darn near the bottom of the league in catch score. So we'll dive into this more. What does that mean next for both Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk? Does that match the tape? Does it match what we're seeing? Uh, How is it different from last year? Much more to come on the wide receiver metrics, what it means for Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, how they are playing this year on today's episode of Locked On 49ers. But first, a word from our sponsors, Tommy John. Don't you hate getting stuck in Black Friday crowds? Super uncomfortable, right? Well, Shopping Tommy John's Black Friday sale from your couch. Now that's super duper comfortable. You know what's even more comfortable than shopping for Tommy John's on your couch is shopping for Tommy John's wearing Tommy John's on your couch. I've got some Tommy John's sweats, Tommy John's underwear, Tommy John's shirt. And let me tell you, they are unbelievably comfortable. I I was surprised how much more comfortable these were than just about anything I've ever put on. And when you give your loved ones Tommy John, they're that much more comfortable so they can do everything better if there may be someone who wants to go hit those black friday sales which is definitely not me shop tommy john's black friday sale right now and give the gift of comfort to everyone on your list and you can do it right from home including getting something for yourself with brand new tommy john underwear loungewear and pajamas over 18 million pairs sold giving tommy john uh, Tommy John has become a holiday tradition 97 percent of women and men love getting a gift of tommy John. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. So shop Tommy John Black Friday. Right now that sale is going on as we speak and you can get 30% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. Yes, 30% off everything right now at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. That's TommyJohn.com slash locked on. See site for details. 
Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. And you might even see Crocker I pop up on Locked On Sports today after Monday Night Football in that Tuesday morning episode. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, just initially, Croc, when, when you see, when you hear what, ESPN is doing with those metrics and uh, ESPN has, has had those advanced metrics now for a while. And, and we're seeing a lot of these things pop up and, and it's very different from grades that PFF does where PFF has human beings watching and grading plays. This is, you know, the GPS, this is letting that tell you the story a little bit more. Um, when you see someone like Brandon Ayuk rating as one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL, and he's maybe not getting the target share, uh, of someone like A.J. Brown or Tyreek Hill or putting up numbers like, you know, Devontae Adams has in the past or Justin Jefferson or one of those players. Um, he has been pretty hot of late. And there's been a lot of tape grinders out there that talk about how Brandon Ayuk's open a lot more often than he gets targeted. And, and, and that's been the case all year long. And these metrics bear that out. When you see Brandon Ayuk as a top 10 receiver by this metric, what are your initial thoughts? Get him the ball more. And that's why you drafted him, right? You drafted him in the first round. You identified as him as someone who not only has a run after catch ability, but silky smooth uh, route runner. There was some sadness there, the twitch, the athleticism. He had all of that. Now incorporate that into the offense. I do think that uh, this is the best version of Brandon Ayuk that we've seen. I think in the past, there have been times where I've said, hey, you know, I just want to see him be a little bit more consistent with beat man coverage because clearly you could see him do it, you know, and I can point to specific times where he's just routing a guy up, losing a guy, just, you know, destroying a guy out in space. But I thought it was a little inconsistent. And I feel like ever since maybe the Dallas Cowboy game where he was kind of whooping uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs a little bit in that game, since then, I feel like he's been definitely a lot more consistent with whether it, it's them freeing him up in space with the concepts or him just having to shake free versus man coverage. He's doing a terrific job. Top 10, that is that is good. And again, that just means where's his targets at? They should be a lot more. You know, his rookie year, I went back and looked at some of his rookie year stats. There was a game he had 16 targets. Now, I know there was no Debo Samuel playing. I know there was no George Kittle, but... Get him a little bit more targets than what he's been seeing. Even in the games where he's played so well. Last game, seven targets. There was another game where he caught six passes on six targets. Maybe he should be getting more, you know, around 10 targets a game. And his volume and production would be much higher. So, Brandon Ayuk, top 10 in this metric. I'm actually a little bit surprised his catch rate is that high. Because he hasn't been the best contested catch guy he's gotten a little better he's had a couple drops this year but clearly it's been something that's still above average but it's his open score that really stands out like you mentioned croc there's only five guys that are ahead of him in the open score right now uh with guys with 30 plus targets in the nfl this season which is pretty phenomenal so that means the dude's getting open like period and you see it on tape we've seen it a lot more recently in recent weeks and uh, he's doing a pretty good job of making catches on it as well and he's getting after it after the catch a little bit and, and i I'd thought there'd be more actually after the catch from Brandon, Brandon Ayuk, just initially watching him uh, before the draft and what he was as a rookie. I thought oh, there's, there's going to be more there. And it's just, it goes to show you that you can't really compare anybody to 
Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel is just so different as it comes to Yak. So maybe we need to cut Brandon Ayuk a little bit of slack because clearly he's doing something right. And his yards after catch actually look a lot better uh, through this metric because it's not just their methodology here is not for the yards after catch isn't just pure how much is he getting after catch. It's how much is he getting uh, versus who else is on the field, where he's at versus what people usually get in those areas, right? Uh, versus expected, not just total yards after catch. Um, but like he's actually ranking pretty well in yards after the catch. Maybe he just doesn't look as good because he's got other yak bros on his team like George Kittle and and uh, and Debo Samuel. So who are a little bit more on the special side, which yeah, again, Ayuk has flashed that. I mean, one of his first games in his career playing against the Philadelphia Eagles, right. he caught a screen, bounced off a guy, jumped over another guy, ran into the end zone. They were like, okay, more of that, please. Right. Yeah. And you haven't seen that level of of you know run after catch. Now, again, that is special, but again, draft him in first round. So you would like to see a little bit more of that it, because we know it's in him, not because is like, oh, well, we just want to hold him to this certain standard or expectation. It's like your kids. Like sometimes you see they're really good at something, but maybe they're not applying themselves. You know, you're a little bit harder on them to get that out of them. And then eventually it gets out of them. And maybe that's what Kyle has done with putting him in the doghouse early last year where he was killing everybody in training camp. And then all of a sudden he's in a doghouse to start the season in 2021. Kyle just feels like, hey, we can get more out of them. And I think right now they are. So top 10 for Brandon Ayuk in the composite rank rankings, again, that factor in three things, open rate, catch rate, and yak rate. George Kittle's down at around 30 in the NFL, if you include tight ends, and including wide receivers and tight ends with 30-plus targets. Debo Samuel, uh, even including yak, is all the way down just barely in the top 50. He is 47, tied for 47th overall. And that is because as that, and we'll, we'll, we'll throw that on the screen one more time for you. And then I've got something else to throw on the screen. But Brandon, I, I mean, uh, Debo Samuel, his catch rate is and like Jerry Judy's below him. Uh, Cortland Sutton is below him. Uh, there might be just a couple of other guys that are below him from the you know starting wide receivers in the NFL. And that's not a good look. And because guys like Jerry Judy, like that's been his big problem. Because Jerry Judy's above average at getting open. He's got those good feet, but he's not a dog when the ball's in the air. It's why uh, two guys I had almost identical grades on coming into the draft, CD Lamb and Jerry Judy, that's why their careers have gone different ways. Because when the ball's in the air, CD Lamb goes and gets it, and Jerry Judy does not. But Debo Samuel's been a guy that can pluck the ball out of the air. But something is definitely missing as far as Debo Samuel this year, whether it's getting open, which doesn't look good, which is a catch rate, with which really doesn't look good. Uh, we've seen some really big plays like against the Rams, but does something look different to you this year with Debo Samuel who hasn't played to that elite star level as a wide receiver? Is it target share? Uh, is it mindset? Uh, is it luck? Like, What do you see in here? Because I... I don't know if it's to this extreme that this graph shows or these metrics show, but there's definitely something missing this year so far with Debo Samuel. I think we all know how special Debo Samuel is. We saw that last year where he had almost 1,800 yards and 14 touchdowns, whether it was in the air, on the ground, just get the ball to me. I have been a big defender of Debo Samuel as a pure receiver. What this chart right here is telling us is that Debo is not a pure receiver. And I always like, what does that mean? What is a pure receiver? Like, can he catch slants? Can he catch digs? You know, is he can he catch go routes when they throw it to him? And you see Debo doing all of those things. And 
each year, I feel like we get a little bit further away from him being that guy. Last year, a lot of it was run after catch. 18.2 yards of carry catch. Led the NFL in yards per reception. Like, that's crazy, especially for a guy who's not catching vertically pushing routes. And I think it was Jamar Chase who was second. Well, of course, Jamar Chase is second. He's catching bombs all the time. So, of course, he's averaging 18 yards per catch. But Debo is doing it a lot with run after catch. But I feel like Debo is relying a little too much on his run after catch ability and not improving in certain other areas. And when he was coming out of college, right, I had Debo as my wide receiver too. I had it was DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and A.J. Brown. Those are my one, two, and three. And DK was only my wide receiver one because, well, he's 6'4", 230. He runs a 4 three, three. Like, he's explosive as hell, and I see exactly how he wins. Like, dude, he is a freak. You don't find guys like that. So that's the only reason why I had him over Debo and A.J. Brown. So when I looked at Debo, it wasn't, oh, I like Debo uh, as my wide receiver one or wide receiver two because he's this, oh, just run after catch, get the ball in his hands. It was like, no, he is a legit receiver. He had nice wiggle. He had nice releases. He was very fluid. He had nice change of pace in route. He was winning on all his routes. He could win on comebacks. He could win on digs, slants. It was an overall game. He ran this beautiful whip route in the um, in the uh, senior bowl on the goal line, just destroying guys. Like He was a very well-rounded receiver. And I feel like each year we're getting a little bit further away from that. And I think each year Kyle Shanahan is getting a little bit further away from that being his usage. And... I remember his rookie year, see him come in and people question his route running. And I'm like, dude, look at this route. Look how he destroyed this guy. He's running routes. Well, we, we don't see that anymore. So, again, he is a pure run-after-catch guy, probably the best in the league. But he's kind of leaning a little bit more towards what people say about him, which is not a pure receiver. And I always question what that means, but I think he's trending more towards what exactly they're saying. Still can be special. Still, still is that special guy. But... I think he's, when he said, and this was kind of a red flag a little bit on Debo, when he said, they asked him if you study other receivers, if you watch other guys, Cooper Cup, you know, whatever. And he said, I don't watch those guys. And it was kind of the way he said it. But I don't watch those guys. Like, why would I? They're not like me. Nobody in this league is like me. So why would I watch them? And I feel like that was kind of like, I think you're selling yourself a little short, Debo. You got all this great ability, and you're, you're not fully tapping into it every offseason. And I think that's what, when you start seeing guys kind of go in different directions, and now we got to lean so heavily on a certain aspect of his game, I think that makes it tough for him to consistently be as productive as we've seen him be in the past. I think it's Kyle Shanahan himself that says, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, right? And yeah. so what, what, um, you know, what, what does Debo want to be? Because he's way too talented to even, you know, even if the metric is unfair to him, he's too talented to be anywhere near that lower left quadrant uh, of that graph. But there's something that graph does not show, which is just happens to be Debo Samuel's superpower. So on the positive side of things for Debo Samuel, I'm going to show you something else in just a minute where he really, really shines and it is not even close. And, um, what about the 49ers defensive tackle situation? Dominican Sue no longer on the market. Did the 49ers maybe miss an opportunity to add a player on the interior of their defensive line with all the injuries there that could have helped them out down the stretch? We'll get to that next.
BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer, esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. Do you want to look for 49ers Super Bowl odds? They're currently fourth in the entire NFL after the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. Uh, you want to bet on coach of the year. You want to bet on rookies of the year. You want to bet on the next coach that can get fired. You can find all of those odds. And of course, week 11 lines and beyond at bet online. And if you love podcasts, you can find sports podcasts as well at bet online. Be informed before you make those bets. That's the way to do it. And bet online is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Of course, not just NFL football. Uh, as we mentioned, there's college sports, there is motorsports, there is combat sports, esports, uh, live in-game betting as well. So get over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. So looking back, Croc, at some of these metrics and focusing a little bit more on the missing metric from that graph that we put up on the screen a little bit ago. Um, that has Debo Samuel in the wrong part of the lower left quadrant and has Brandon Ayuk in the good part, the upper right quadrant, which is above average in both open score and catch score. On that graph does not show yards after catch, and that is clearly Debo Samuel's superpower. Um, when you look at some of the metrics and some of the numbers, like scoring, uh, uh, for example, uh, the, the catch metric, make, making the catch, Tyler Lockett actually leads this year with an 89. Um I think the only player we've seen that's in the 90s on any of these other catch or getting open metrics is A.J. Brown is a 93 at getting open. Last year, Debo Samuel was a 99 at yards after the catch and nowhere, nobody even close. And again, Debo Samuel leads the NFL. Actually, the last time someone not named Debo Samuel led, it was two years ago, 2020, it was actually A.J. Brown. So you want to talk about a well-rounded wide receiver? Uh, A.J. Brown's getting open. He's making catches. <laughs> And he's making people miss after the catch. Like it's AJ, like it's pretty clear right now. It's AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. Like those are the three best wide receivers in the NFL. And, and I think there's a kind of a sizable gap after those three guys. It's pretty crazy what those dudes are doing. Um, but looking at those three metrics, getting open, making the catch, and yards after catch. And I'm going to put it up on the screen in a minute to just show you where Debo Samuel is right now. And and how much of a superpower that is and why being a, the wide back that he is, uh, is something that's still super valuable, even if he's not the best at getting open, the best at securing the catch, even though we've seen him be really good at both of those things, too. Uh, maybe it's not happening for him this year, but check out this. So um, looking at this graph from 538 to the right is the best to the left is is less. And you look at the getting open. Metric AJ Brown's number one. He's got a 93 in that. Um, Deontay Johnson, 89. Tyler Lockett, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams. Those are the top five at getting open. Uh, at securing the catch, you've got Tyler Lockett, who's got to be one of the most underrated players over the course of his yeah. career. He's having a fantastic year this year. Um, he's number one in securing the catch. He's got an 89 rating there. Dominant Peoples Jones not getting open, but he's going up and, and getting the catch. It's pretty pretty funny to see where he is on that far left but really high on the graph stefan diggs not a surprise there tyree kill you know justin jefferson not a surprise seeing those guys but look at the yards after the catch look how far ahead debo samuel is versus everybody else in the nfl <laughs> like that's how different <laughs> debo samuel is that's how freaky this guy is right uh and so just the wideback stuff just the yards after the catch which is special but you're right croc like 
we've seen it there. The we've seen him go up and pull the ball down in a crowd too. Maybe the over the shoulder catch stuff might not be necessarily Debo Samuel's thing, but as far as getting open and making catches, he's not bad there. And, and I think we've seen it this year that there has been something missing and maybe these metrics and look, you could maybe have a problem with some of this stuff and some of these metrics, but it's not like the other stuff sounds wrong. Right. right. So I, I don't think there's necessarily something hugely wrong with some of these metrics. Um, and I think Debo Samuel can be a lot better, but I wanted to make sure I showed this just because you could see the sizable gap between Debo Samuel and everybody else like Jamar Chase and AJ Brown, who's also really good after the catch and, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin in the NFL. Like it, it's pretty comical. It's a huge gap. How far apart Debo Samuel is and Debo Samuel's grade this year in yards after the catch is 80 last year. He was 99. So he's even that much farther ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And Kyle's leaning on that, but I feel like there's a scenario. And again, this is just me holding. I talk about like my kids, right? You know, you know, they can do a little bit better. And I think Debo, he's leaving some meat on his bone right now. And I feel like it's by choice and kind of limiting himself. My, my son, <laughs> one of my boys, right? D and you know, they're, they're different, right? My, my boys are completely different. D Loves sports, all that. Goes to school because he has to, because he wants to play sports. Juice wants to get straight A's. Well, I hold D to the same standard. Like, dude, you can get better grades. He's like, I, I'm not as smart as Juice. I'm like, dude, yes, yes, you are. You just choose not to be. And I think that's Debo Samuel right now, where it's like, dude, you can be the best receiver in the NFL. The best. A lot of guys can't say that. There are guys that are just going to be good. Eric Crocker was never going to be the best at anything in the NFL, right? Debo Samuel, you can be the best, or at least mentioned in the top three. And right now, people were making arguments for him being in the top five. I think this year, we haven't, again, we're getting further and further away from what he was coming out as a prospect. Do you see that, or am I tripping? You're not tripping at all. Um, some people have pointed to the contract. You get paid, and... Maybe you don't have as much motivation as you would have had. We see it a lot in the NFL where contract year guys have their best year. We saw it with Debo Samuel last year. Yeah. Uh, Debo Samuel was for sure top five wide receiver in the Easy. NFL, and I don't care what metrics he had. And Debo Samuel still has all that talent. And we saw him single-handedly go make plays against the Los Angeles Rams earlier this year, but we've just seen less of those plays this year. He's got less of a target share. And now Christian McCaffrey's in town and kind of runs in a similar area of the field Will we will we not see the usage be there for Debo Samuel? Because if Debo Samuel is not going to get the target share, and he's not going to be that dude, then I don't know if he's, I don't I don't know if the money he's getting paid is going to be worth it. Well, I don't think it's so much about the money because again, last year is when he said the whole, I don't, I don't watch those dudes. You know, they don't do what I do. They can't do what I do. Nobody in the league is like me. Yeah. So he said that before he got paid. <laughs> so he's right. been feeling like that. Which again, he does have a very unique skill set. He does. He's not wrong when he says that. He isn't wrong, but is he's selling himself as just that. Right. And I'm like, dude, I've I've I I watched you coming out. You're more than just that. You're more than just I gotta win because I gotta catch a slant. Man, he was doing it all at South Carolina. If anybody, if you need a refresher, go back to South Carolina and just watch Debo Samuel. And he was a slant guy. So he's still that. But he's catching go routes, he's catching fades, he's catching posts. One hand, he has a play on Emmanuel Mosley where he just jumps over Emmanuel Mosley and 
takes it away from him when Mosley was at Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the things that he was doing consistently. I mean, oh gosh, I remember watching him against Clemson. Oh my gosh. He went for, if you told me right now he had 300 yards, I'd believe you. And I think, you know, leaving a little meat on the bone. And we, we, we love you, Debo. Oh, we yeah, love you, Debo. Cool. We just know there's another version to, to, to what we're seeing right now. And it could just be target share, like you said. And maybe that's something that he's dealing with, you know, internally. Maybe could be frustrated. I don't think so. He's a, he seems to be a great team player. But yeah, and and look, this is a small sample thing. This is you know a group of games in the first half of one season. You know the the what that chart would look like for the second half of the season only probably completely different, right? With some right. exceptions. You know, you know Justin Jefferson is going to be in the upper right. You know AJ Brown and Tyree Kill are going to be uh, in the upper right. Can we get Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both in the upper right at the same Ooh. time? Right. That's that's what we want to see. In Do this the 49ers offense. have enough money for that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's you another. Could, you kind of want Ayuk to calm down a little. Hey, chill out. Chill yeah. out. Ayuk. <laughs> that is definitely another topic of conversation. That if we had a, a you know if, if we had another hour to go, uh, that would be the next the next talking point. Just real quick, Croc, because um, today the Philadelphia Eagles signed Dominican Sue to a contract. Eagles clearly going for it. Their run defense is, is one of the one weaknesses they had on that team. Like the, the Philadelphia Eagles right now are pretty scary, and uh, they don't want to get run on anymore. The 49ers with Javon Kinlaw, who knows what it's going to look like with him. When are we going to get Eric Armstead back in the interior? Uh, and Dom Kinsu is a, a player that a lot of 49ers fans had been clamoring for to sign. He is now no longer available. He is not on the market. Do you think the 49ers missed an opportunity to really shore up their defensive inter interior with all the injuries they have this year? Definitely. I think with Armstead, I, I maybe didn't know the significance of his injury, but now it's like, it's both feet. Will he play? And, you know, talking to Coach Desi, she's talked to us a little bit about Kinlaw's injuries and, and what's kind of going on. That's something he's going to always deal with. Will he play? Like, you know, so you just don't know. And I feel like with so much up in the air with their health and where they're at with those guys, large, massive humans with lower body injuries, why not bring in somebody who, at the very least, he might do some dirty stuff here and there, <laughs> but but we know he's going to bring it every game, right? He doesn't turn that intensity off, and he might be somewhat a shell of what Sue was, right? Like all pro, pro bowl Sue, but still can be somebody who can plug up the middle on rundowns, especially if you want to run more too high and be bigger in the middle there. And right. uh, you're missing that with, with not having Kinlaw, and it would be nice to have at least another, you know, legit rota rotation guy or it's just someone that you play on the only rundowns. Right, yeah. And then because you have guys like Amenehu and you have a rotation, you have some other guys that can fill in. But at this point, it's it's looking it, it's looking worse and worse. That you haven't gotten Eric Armstead back in the Kinlaw stuff. I don't know if he'll ever really play much again, right? It, ah, he got to play, man. They, they, he, he's he got to play. They just, it's tough. So we'll see. Uh, Nam Sue no longer available uh, we've got more coming up next week, or actually Sunday. We'll go a little bit live on Sunday evening, uh, probably before Sunday night football, I think is a good time to do it. Croc, is that a good time for you? You want to go after Sunday night football? Uh, after? We after. Go after. All right, yeah. so we'll go after Sunday night football, Sunday night after the day is done and the football of the day is done, and we'll go live. We'll talk some keys to victory. We'll have the latest injury reports for the 49ers getting ready for Monday night football, and of course, of course we'll be back breaking down the game as well after 
Monday Night Football in Mexico City. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen. Check out Peacock and Williamson NFL show every day here on the network. Check out Locked On NFL Draft. Croc and I back Sunday night, Monday morning, right here, Locked On 49ers.